The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Thank you so much for joining us today on Afternoons with Mike Hurd. At this time, across these radio stations, it is my joy each and every day to have a guest either in the studio or on the line. Today, talking to me from Washington, D.C., the First Liberty Institute. It's a great organization. We're going to hear more about them in a moment. But attorney and associate counsel Kayla Tony is with me today. Welcome, Kayla. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm glad to be here. Well, it is great to talk with you. And anytime I get to talk with people from First Liberty, you guys do a great thing. You know, I know we're living in a day and an age where it seems that there are commonplace stories almost every day, it feels like, coming from different parts of the country, not just even just the blue states. Sometimes it's it's elsewhere, but there is a lot of what seems like religious persecution going on where people who are either uh, believers or uh, church members or people who may have jobs in the marketplace but then are somehow pinged and maybe set aside as, uh, as, as doing something wrong just because of their faith. I know there's been a number of cases. Are you seeing an uptick in that yourself? We are, you know, particularly in the workplace, religious employees should never have to hide their faith in order to serve their communities in the workplace. But that's a lot of what we're seeing. Um, We're seeing religious discrimination. And um, it's often toward Christians, but it's often toward members of other faiths. And that's why here at First Liberty, you know, we're a Christian ministry and we're able to serve clients um, of all faiths free of charge. And it's such a privilege to have that that role to be able to protect and defend our um, religious liberties. Well, I know that you guys are regularly quoted in news stories from just about every angle, and you're busy. I I don't know how many employees or how many attorneys you guys employ, uh, but I, I know that you're doing a great work. And one of the things that I wanted to talk with you about is uh, this fire chief out in Stockton, California. His name is Ron Hiddle. And apparently he was kind of set aside and marked because he attended a leadership conference that was at his local church. It's not like he was doing something immoral or that he was cheating in any way at all. He was just attending a church gathering, right? Is that is that all he did? That's right. So his manager actually told him to seek out some leadership training. And he looked at several options. And because the city was going through bankruptcy at that time, he wanted to find something that was affordable. And so he found this excellent uh, leadership conference run by the Willow Creek Church. It's called the Global Leadership Summit. And it's simulcast internationally every year to about 400,000 people. There's really notable speakers, including um, Tony Dungy, Super Bowl winning coach, um, former President Bill Clinton, Uh, Sheryl Sandberg of uh, Facebook has spoken at this summit. So it's very well known. It's not, um, you know, just a religious um, conference. It's, you know, definitely focuses on leadership across the business world, the public sector. And Chief Hiddle really gained a lot of valuable insight from this conference that he used in his work toward the city. But the city targeted him and opened an investigation into him simply because he attended this conference and brought some other employees with him. Um, And that's religious discrimination, which he faced. Now, what exactly did they say that he did that was wrong? I'm trying to imagine what the initial report or the initial charge against him, how it could be expressed when all he did was attend something that was simultaneously attended by. And even one of the speakers that you mentioned was former President Bill Clinton, who I wouldn't have expected on the podium at a leadership conference in a church at Willow at, at the Willow Creek Association that surprises me. So what in the world did they say he did that was wrong? You know, it's hard to say. Uh the termination notice was pretty clear that the main reason for his termination was that he attended this conference. Um they said that the conference could have no benefit to the city because it was religious and they also said he should not have attended it on city time. 
Now there's no policy against attending religious events on city time. And actually um, firefighters in the city would often attend the mayor's prayer breakfast or blue mass, which was um, held in honor of first responders. And so uh, Chief Hutto was really singled out because he attended this conference. And you know, what, what's really behind all of this and what we saw in the court's opinion, which we're challenging right now at the Ninth Circuit, is this shadowy idea that you can't possibly have any sort of endorsement of religion if you work for the government, because then you're somehow violating the Establishment Clause. And that is just not true. The Supreme Court in the Coach Kennedy case um, just a couple years ago held very clearly that um, religion has an important place in society and in the public square. And, you know, just because a public employee is religious, that doesn't mean that we can target them or shut them down um, because of their faith. So we really think that's what's behind the city's hostility. Um, mm -hmm. It's all about Chief Hiddle's faith. You know, it is. And you, you look back at our history and you realize that even on the Supreme Court walls, there are markings all over that express faith and faith in God and faith in classical historical uh, Christianity that were, they were not afraid. They were not thinking that this is somehow bad or not in line or in keeping with American values. It's, it's just the opposite. And it is for, for chief Hiddle to have to go through all of that. It, it's really amazing. Now it's not something that happened just recently. So he's been fighting this since 2010, right? That's right. Yeah, he was fired um, back in. So he was investigated in 2010. That's when he attended the Global Leadership Summit. And then he was fired in 2011. And his case has been pending ever since. It's taken an extra long time because the city went through bankruptcy during the middle of the case. And now finally, his case is up on appeal at the Ninth Circuit. And um, we are still fighting. So a three-judge panel of the Ninth Circuit ruled against Chief Hiddle. And we are asking the court to rehear the case. So if they if they agree to do that, it would be 11 judges that would hear his case. Wow. And we think that would really offer him a better opportunity to get, you know, a wider range of perspectives. Hopefully some judges that understand the importance of religious liberty um, in order to get this case right. You know, when you think about judges and you think about these kind of stories, not only is there discrimination coming from, let's say, the local authorities, in Stockton, California, there at the fire department, maybe those that are over the fire department. But then you have this next tier of the law, supposedly the law, at, and that's at the judicial level. And yet we hear often about progressive judges that are in place, that have been in place, and, and they don't seem to be too concerned. And, and this is what judges should be doing, and that's upholding the Constitution Yet we're hearing more and more about judges that are almost throwing out the the, the tenets of the Constitution in, in these kinds of things. So when, when you have a judge that's not keeping the law, that becomes a problem, doesn't it? It does. And here it's exactly what you described, where the city showed hostility and animus toward um, Chief Hiddle because of his faith. But then the court doubled down on that and said, you know, he shouldn't have attended a religious conference because of the perception of others. Other people complained, other people didn't like it, and therefore Chief Hiddle should be punished. And then also the court held that the conference could be of no benefit to the city because it was religious. And that right there is hostility, especially because yeah. the court and the city failed to even inquire into the excellent content of this summit. You know, it's widely known. There's yeah. a lot of great speakers, there's a lot of benefit, but the city thought it could be of no benefit just because it was religious. You mentioned the word hostility, and that really is a good word. I mean, this this thing of being hostile toward anybody of faith is a, a, a kind of a turn that's it's deepened. I'm, I'm not saying it's brand new, but it certainly has gotten greater and more pronounced in recent years than ever before. There was a time that in a society in our society, that a person who was attending a church regularly, a person who was a member of a church, let's say, and yet was a responsible businessman in the city, that would be something that would be to his credit. That would be something that would be uh, a mark of his character in a positive way. And it seems that uh, in 2023, the courts at times, and certainly those in governments, 
seem to be looking at that just from the opposite angle. That's a great point. And I guess that's why it's so important that we don't let the perception of others be the test for whether religious expression or activity can be silenced because the perception of others changes. As Mm -hmm. you mentioned, there was a time when, you know, a fire chief involved in Christian activities would be seen as a positive. Um, But this in this city at this time, it was seen as a negative. And, And that's why that's really not the test. The Supreme Court has said that religion has an important place in public life. The First Amendment protects religious employees' ability to express their faith, to participate in religious activities. They don't have to hide who they are when they come to work. Um, And then Title VII is the federal law, which also protects employees of all faiths from religious discrimination. And so to treat religion as a second class, um, to treat a religious person as a second class citizen, you know, because of their faith, it's really a disservice to all of society. Now, you don't see this same kind of animus toward people from other faiths, do you? I mean, it seems to be pretty exclusive, those that believe in Jesus. You know, that's a good question. It really depends on the part of the country where you're in. But we do, unfortunately, see discrimination toward people of other faiths as well. Um, And that's why we do defend um, Mm -hmm. Americans of all faiths. I think probably in California, it's a little more pronounced toward Christians. Um, But yeah, unfortunately, we do see um, discrimination toward people of other faiths. And that's why, you know, we think it's really important to represent people from all faiths. And what's been really encouraging to see in Chief Hiddle's case is that friends of ours in other faith communities have supported his case. So at the last round Um, at the Ninth Circuit, we had an amicus brief, which is a friend of the court brief that sort of provides a different perspective, but, you know, supports our case. Um, It was from our friends at um, the American Hindu Coalition, um, some Muslim American associations, and some Jewish American groups. And they all came together and said, you know, we think that religious discrimination in the workplace is a problem and it affects our communities. And we think what happened to Chief Hiddle was wrong. Um, and so even though he's, you know, a Christian from a different faith background than theirs, it was really encouraging to see sort of yeah. that um, coalition coming together and saying, you know, religious freedom matters for all of us. And, you know, maybe in California, the Christians are a little more disfavored, but in other parts of the country, you know, it could be us. And, and we just want to make sure that religious freedom really is available for everyone, especially in the workplace. That had to be an unexpected alliance, right? It was. And it was really encouraging um, just to see them, you know, come together and, and support us. And I know it meant a lot to Chief Hiddle that, you know, folks from all different backgrounds would be concerned about his case and, and wanting to support him. Now, I know that you mentioned uh, Coach Kennedy, Joe Kennedy, who was the coach that was uh, guilty of a horrible crime, according to the, the, the thoughts of many. And that would be kneeling at the 50-yard line with a brief prayer at the close of his football games when his team played. And he's out there on the field kneeling and a quiet prayer. Nobody else was asked. But then the players started joining in with him. And pretty soon, I guess the, the most of the team would be down there with the coach and just giving a moment of quiet things. And for that, he was fired and went through several years of these kinds of court uh, goings on, proceedings, etc., and won that case. And just recently, I read that after the first game where he went down and kneeled again, but after that first game, he resigned. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Coach Kennedy, he is such a great client. He's such a great um, leader in terms of being willing to fight that fight. And really, like you said, all he wanted to do is have this brief private prayer. I think what we have found is, you know, it's a major win at the Supreme Court. And yet the school district is still very hostile and has just made it really difficult for him. Um, and, you know, there's other concerns as well from his family and just other priorities that he's had. But I think it goes to show that, you know, even when you win in the Supreme Court, you can still face hostility from um, folks who just don't understand the value of your faith. And I think that case has a lot of parallels to Chief Hiddle's case because, you know, the school district's idea was that we just can't possibly have children be exposed to prayer or religion as if it's, you know, a negative when really um, it's a it's a great positive. And, you know, Coach Kennedy's faith is what makes him a good role model for students 
and, and a great coach and just a loving um, person to be around and a good influence. Um, and so similarly here, you know, Chief Hiddle's faith is really what helps him be such a great fire chief and um, his religion shouldn't have to be hidden or shut down, you know, just because he is a public employee. When I look at what uh, the, the coach went through when he returned to his job, it makes me wonder what uh, what uh, Chief Hiddle would go through if he returned. Uh, would he be facing that same kind of animus and that kind of uh, really just pushback from the community? Do you think that would happen? He might. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say. I think um, for him, a lot more time has passed. And so it might be that um, there's even different people in charge now in his um, in his position. But but yeah, I do think that can unfortunately be um, something that we find in these workplace cases. And 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 really, that's why it takes so much courage to stand up and mm-hmm. be willing to go through the process of a lawsuit, because um, it's not, you know, popular and uh, it, it can, you know, engender even more hostility. But I think that's why, you know, I have such respect for for all our clients and, you know, especially clients like Chief Hiddle and like Coach Kennedy, because they've been willing to stand up. And and really, it's it's not about them. They understand that religious freedom matters for everyone. And if they don't stand up and, you know, try to fight for their rights, then the next, it's going to be that much more difficult for their children and grandchildren and for the next person. Um, and so I think, you know, for coach, he's really um, just thinking about all the right things and wanting to protect religious liberty for, for everyone. And he's done that. I mean, his Supreme Court case was such a clear victory and the court really made clear that you can't let the perception of others, you can't let a heckler's veto, you know, shut down someone's religious faith and religious expression in the workplace. Um, and one of the other great things coming out of that decision, too, is that it um, made clear that religious speech actually has double protection in the First Amendment because there's the free speech clause, but there's also the free exercise of religion clause. And both of those things protect you know, religious expression. So that's why Coach Kennedy's prayer was protected. Um, and that's why Chief Hiddle's choice to attend a religious-based um, leadership conference, you know, is also protected. And, you know, that ruling can really benefit all Americans by, you know, giving religious activity and speech sort of that double protection that right. our founders really, you know, had this genius vision for when they when they wrote the First Amendment. Well, speaking of the First Amendment, we've all read in the news this last week about what's going on in New Mexico with a governor there basically throwing out not just the First, but also the Second Amendment. And this kind of a, a trend with governments, uh, it, it's really concerning in, in America, don't you think? You know, it is something we're seeing um, all over the country, and, and that's why we're so thankful to be able to do the work that we do here at First Liberty. Yes. Um, you know, clients reach out to us when they're um, in desperate times, and we're often able to step in and provide guidance and support. Um, you know, we, we fight in the courts, we pray um, in the, along the sidelines, we sort of uh, do everything we can to support um, our clients all over the country who are facing these types of issues. And, um, you know, like I said, just the courage to stand up and um, and speak what is true and be willing to stand up for these religious liberties. I think it really does a benefit to, uh, to all Americans. I agree. And uh, I know that uh, Chief Hiddle would, uh, would echo that appreciation for First Liberty. Uh, Kayla Tony is Associate Counsel with First Liberty. Thank you for being with us today. And thank you for doing the fight that uh, needs to be engaged. And you guys are doing it. We pray for First Liberty and uh, all of your clients that you're dealing with across the country. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show. And feel free to check out more at our website, firstliberty.org. You can learn more about all of our different clients. And there's also a button there to request legal help. So if you have a religious liberty issue or concern, you know, feel free to reach out to us that way. And um, we'd be happy to be in touch with you. Kayla Tony from First Liberty will be right back. This is Afternoons with Mike. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855 855- 
481-9095. Palm Beach Atlantic University Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. For this segment, I have with me on the line Wayne White. Wayne is actually in the Central Florida area, living up uh, near the Ocala Villages area. Wayne, it's great to have you back. Well, I'm, uh, I appreciate you having me on, and uh, it's always good to talk to you. You know, we've talked before about your book. I know you were a veteran. Uh, you carry in your heart a deep sense of concern for America. Uh, and, you know, we are called the, the land of the free, home of the brave. I mean, that's, I grew up hearing that. And right now, I'm not too sure either of those two monikers would be a fair description of where our country has been. Would you agree? Yes, absolutely. And you can attribute that to something I kind of coined a phrase on sometime back in a speech, and it's ever who controls the input controls the outcome. And unfortunately, the left, and I'll call them what they are, they're communists, are doing a much better job of controlling uh, the narrative in the schools, in entertainment, and, uh, you know, just about every facet of a young person's life. So unfortunately, our young people have a, um, a a not so pretty picture of America when they're not getting the facts. You know this slanting that you're describing there. It's it's a, a kind of a concept that was put into place not just in recent years but decades ago, right? I mean, this has been going on for a long time. Yes, in my book, uh, Decline of America, I cover the communist movement from actually the 1900s, right on up to how it took over the entertainment industry, the movie industry, right on up until today. And, you know, it's like when computers came first out, uh, came out first, there was a a saying, garbage in, garbage out. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what you're seeing from our schools and the entertainment. Uh, Sometimes I like to just uh, switch over and watch CNN or MSNBC and I swear, Mike, you'd think you were living in a different country. I know. It is, it's so true. I mean, the amount of, uh, of animus that's out there toward anybody that would believe uh, old-fashioned values, for example, American values, that it, that's what it would be called when I was growing up, things that would be from a Judeo-Christian ethic. Uh, those things are, are passe right now in the media. And what seems to be only talked about is this concept of of progressivism and uh, the whole gender identity thing has become like front and center. If you believe the headlines coming from the White House, that's the most important thing that's been done. And and we're being told that great strides on our infrastructure has been made, but they refer not to bridges and highways and Americana infrastructure, but they refer to this social infrastructure. And you know, they have done a lot of, uh, of, of uh, I don't know, I wouldn't say it's good stuff. They've done a lot of damage to our social infrastructure from my mind. Absolutely. And, and I get a little sick and tired of people that are supposed to be conservative. Every time something happens like uh, the transgender or almost anything, they ask the question, why is this happening? And all you have to do, and, and this goes for anybody listening, all you have to do when you see something that you don't think is right for the country, just ask one question. Anything they're doing, you don't have to ask why. You just have to answer one question. Is it good for the country? And it, the answer will be no. And that's why they're doing it. You know, yeah. they're, I think I brought up the last time we talked. In 1963, a local congressman uh, had introduced to the uh, Congress, by unanimous consent, by the way, the 45 goals of communism. And and in that list, darn near everything they're doing, destroying statues, uh, destroy the morale of the country. And that's what's happening when Mm -hmm. you 
and and the other thing that's really interesting that kind of gets my goat, these people have no idea. Believe me, when they take over, this idea of transgender and gay people is out the window. They do not put up with that in Russia, in China. Uh, we visited Cuba twice, as I think I told you, and they don't put up with that. So <laughs> I said to somebody the other day, there's a lot of good that's going to come out of this takeover. And one of them is if you murder somebody, they put a bullet in the back of your head. You don't wow. get 30 years in jail. So, And the other thing that we have a problem with is lawyers. Do you know this country, and, and you can Google this, has 75% of all the lawyers in the world. Now, that's not crazy, and that's part of the problem. You know, uh, parents are afraid to do anything or say anything because they'll be sued, you know, and, yeah. and it's just nuts. It, <laughs> that's a good way to say it. I think you're right. Now, you asked uh, this question, and this is something that I know that a lot of people are saying. Is the decline that you speak of, and I know the the book that you mentioned is called The Decline of America, is the decline in America a perception or is it actually a reality? And I I want you to just drill down on your experience as a veteran on that and and tell us, is this something a, a lot of people I think are just saying, is it really as bad as it sounds? But in my mind, I, I really think that it is as bad as it sounds. Where are you on that? Well, absolutely. And if you remember during the uh, first Republican debate, there were at least five, and they were five of the most prominent candidates, all mentioned the decline of America. They weren't talking about my book. I wish they were. But they all mentioned that, uh, you know, the, the state of America is in decline. And it is and I'm going to say something a lot of people aren't going to want to hear, but I believe it after the studying I've been done on my new book. I don't think we can do anything about it because the people behind it are the super rich. And in in my book, I talk about the fact that uh, it, since beginning of time, there have been people who wanted to rule the world. you got Genghis Khan, you've got Alexander the Great, you've got Napoleon, and on and on and on. The only difference is that as the world grew, the people that wanted to rule the world figured out, well, we, we can't do it one at a time. We need to do it collectively. And now you have all these organizations dating back to the 1800s that want a one world government, and they are funding the communists. And the reason they are is because they're kind of the fodder for the people that are doing it. They want you to look at what the communists are doing and what the left or whatever you want to call them are doing in the streets and everything, which they're funding, by the way, these people are, so that you don't look at what they're doing. Hmm. Wow. That's a foreboding dis- kind of a, a, kind of a <laughs> surmisal of where we are right now. It is not pretty. And if you're right, and I think, I think uh, there's a lot of truth in what you're saying, Wayne, that if you're right, we are are kind of over that line that has been drawn in the sand. We might have gone uh, to a point where America is not going to go back to the America that uh, you and I grew up in, right? No, and the one person that interrupted what they're doing, and that's why they worked so hard to make sure he didn't win the last election, was Trump. Why do you think they are fighting so hard to get rid of Trump? because he's the only non-politician that's really running, and he did so much, and he interrupted what Obama had done. And by the way, he's running the government. Anybody thinks, and that's another thing that gets me, they keep talking about Biden and why he's doing it and how bad he is. That What they ought to be saying is, tell me who's running the government, because it's not him. That's like a while ago they showed on the uh, TV where he was standing at a podium, and he's saying, I got to look and see what my orders are. Now, come on. If a guy can't run a news conference, how's he going to run a country? He's yeah, not. Yeah. Well, I think that kind of comment uh, has been made many times where he'll refer to the they. This is what they want me to do, or they won't let me say this, or or, or whatever. And that's that's very concerning. And I get it. I know what you're saying, that we, we also hear the phrase deep state 
And you've got to wonder, well, what is the deep state? What and who are behind it? I've heard everything from Obama uh, down to the former campaign uh, director for Hillary Clinton as, as potential Podesta, John P- uh, Podesta, rather, uh, as being part of that deep straight state. And you've also mentioned those that are wealthy, like the George Soroses and the Bill Gates. Uh, there seems to be a lot of involvement from these people. And it, and it is concerning to realize how much they are funding what's going on. Everything from the vaccine mandates, which Gates seems to be after. And we're being told already now uh, that more masking and all that kind of stuff is going to come up this winter. I, I just wish that uh, we could just kind of turn a blind eye to what Fauci has said and what other so-called experts say and, and, you know, let's go on with America and, and live our lives. But we're fighting a fight right now. Yes, and it, it, it isn't individuals. That's what I said. It's, it's groups. And they go back to uh, most people don't know that uh, the Rothschilds uh, financed both sides of the Civil War just so they could make money. And almost every war that has been fought since then uh, both sides were financed by the super rich and people. And you're talking about the CFR, the Council on Foreign Relations. You're talking about the Bilderbergers. Uh, it may sound like a conspiracy, but they all want one thing. They want a world government. Mm-hmm. And why else do they have meetings that are se- secret? And then you've got the Federal Reserve, which is not a government agency. And we owe them in interest, nearly a trillion dollars. Nobody asks, where, where's that money going? Well, it's going to the banks that own uh, the stock because it, it isn't available to anybody else. And that, that includes uh, Morgan and Chase Manhattan and uh, all these big banks, Bank America, and they all come from the, the super rich years ago. And the other thing people don't know is the amount of money for these bailouts would account for more than about 30 or 40 percent of our national debt it didn't it didn't go to the people and it didn't go to build infrastructure no not it at all it went to bail out banks yeah. and then the interest is paid to the federal reserve which goes back to the banks wow it's a a big game isn't it like a shell game and you just are kept guessing all the time what's going to happen where is it going to be Where's it going to show up and all of that? You know, when I think about what we have heard, uh, again, going back to the term experts, the experts that told us all about the, the, how good the vaccine was going to be. And I, I know we were given and dished out every night uh, a, a news conference from, and Trump was in there as well. I mean, he's not outside of all of this, but I mean, I think, I think in, just in all fairness, I think a lot of us really thought the best and we wanted to think the best about these doctors and experts about this uh, new thing, this pandemic that came around. But anyone who believed that uh, or said anything at all that was negative against the vaccines, for example, they were called conspiracy theorists. They were just dismissed as being radicals. Don't listen to them. They're really just trying to make up. And the truth of it is a lot of those what were called conspiracy theories have really proven to have some merit to them, haven't they? Absolutely. And what you have to remember is one of the problems is we're not organized. And they are very organized and have been working on their organization since the 1900s. So we're not organized, we're not, and we're not financed good enough uh, to fight back. And they are very organized, and part of their propaganda going back to when the UN uh, was founded. One of the things that even the Communist Party, in a in a uh, newspaper that they put out when the UN was uh, trying to be chartered and they, they needed to go through Congress, is. You've got to go out and and fight for the UN. You've got to destroy, or get that figure, destroy anybody that is against it. And this is nothing more than what they're doing with uh, anybody, like you say. That uh, and and the funny thing is, the communists think that they're fighting the super rich, and that's really funny because the super rich are the ones that are financing them. Mm-hmm. So they're you know they're it's. It, 
it is a mixed bag of tricks, believe me. Uh, but yes, and, and they destroy anybody. In, in my first book, Decline of America, I came up with a, with a phrase called PSW, and that's Property Salvation Wars. And that's what you're going to see in the future. And by that, I mean, I don't think you have to worry too much about a nuclear war for the simple reason that they want this country. And you can see what's going on in the Ukraine. It's being destroyed. So even if Russia got it, they're just going to get a wasteland. So what happens with property salvation wars is biological weapons, Mm. because then they just march in and everything is still intact. Because if they use a nuclear weapon, uh, you know, in America, you wouldn't be able to use whatever they bombed for, you know, 40, 50 years. Right. So I I don't think we're going to see much of that. Now, we probably will see another war between now and when the end of uh, Obama's third term, uh, Biden's third term, for the simple reason that if by any chance, and I don't think there will be, uh, Trump got elected, he's not going to put up with this. And that's why they don't want him. Mm. So you're thinking that that's not going to work out. Do you feel another candidate will run representing the Republicans? Well, I think there may be another uh, (laughs) fake Republican running because most of them are politicians and they'll get in and they'll do a few things that the Democrats wouldn't do. But um, there again, you have to remember this. They stole the last election and there is an overwhelming amount of evidence, including the recent evidence that even the Congress admitted that the social media groups had influence, uh, a negative influence on the election. Right, right. And, and nothing has changed. Everything that was in place when they stole the last election is still there. And even the Republicans are okay with uh, uh, ballot boxes, which can be stuffed. Anybody that's watched 2,000 mules, uh, that's enough evidence on videotape to say there was a stolen election. And to this date, they've spent all this time investigating uh, January 6th. But do you realize I can't find anybody that has been interviewed by the FBI or the Department of Justice that signed those hundreds, in some cases, hundreds and hundreds of affidavits. They haven't interviewed the guy that drove a semi-truck from New York to another state full of ballots on pallets. They've never been interviewed. Hmm. So there's never been an investigation. And in spite of the fact some people say, well, they've lost in court. No, there never was a court case. The loss was you don't have standing. So Mm -hmm. it never went to court. Mm -hmm. Right, right. There was never any evidence produced. The new book is coming out. Uh, Your older book is called The Decline of America. We've got 30 seconds. Give us the title of the new one, and when will, will it be out? It's called The Decline of America, Volume 2. Who paid for the revolution? Hmm. Okay. That's Wait. a tentative work and title, and it'll be out sometime probably the second quarter of uh, next year. All right. Wayne White from Central Florida, thank you for being with us. God bless you. Thank you for serving our country as a, as a veteran, and uh, we appreciate you so much, my friend. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on. God bless you. All right. We will be back in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top train comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, Call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Back again now with my friend Joe Schimmel. Pastor Joe Schimmel is out in California. We got to sit down and talk to each other face to face. It's not always uh, something you get to do with people that living that far across. But at the NRB, that's exactly what we did. And it's great having him back on the line today. Welcome back, Pastor Joe. It's great being back with you, brother. I had a great time uh, chatting with you. 
face-to-face last time. That was awesome. It really was a good time there at the NRB. Joe, for those of you that did not hear that or may not know who he is, he is a film producer. He's a keynote speaker. He's a senior pastor. He hosts a podcast. And now one of the things we're going to be uh, talking about right off the bat today, he's a new author. He's got a brand new book out called Sparky, The Broken Mirror, and the uh, subtitle is A Short Story for the Entire Family. That's a big deal to write a book like that. You know, I heard a stat, Joe, that says that I don't know, I don't remember the exact percentage, but it was a high percentage of people in America want and feel like they need to write a book, but so few do, and you've made it into that category of those that did. Way to go, man. Well, actually, it's kind of funny because I've written several books I've just never finished. <laughs> so finally, <laughs> I finally got one done. I was motivated by my grandchildren. And crazy, I've, uh, Amazon, it's it's a number one bestseller on Amazon in five or six categories already. That so is like, crazy. Wow. <laughs> it just came out. So I was like, wow, it's crazy. But oh, it came my from goodness. a deep longing in my heart to uh, reach. And it's for the entire family, as we say, but it's, a, it's like a children's book. Incredibly amazing art. The art really carries the book in a lot of ways. I was like, wow, uh, that I think really bless a lot of families. It really get the gospel for parents that want their kids or their grandchildren to understand the gospel. I don't know of a better illustration, I, if I do say so myself, and I really believe the Lord gave it to me, than this broken mirror. And we can get into that, I guess. That'd be awesome. Yeah, man. Well, first of all, the cover is iconic. It's one of those things that you just look at and you go, oh, man, that is an attractive cover. Without a doubt, if uh, if this thing shows up in the types of Barnes & Noble or even on the digital pages of Amazon, this thing's going to catch some interest right off because it's so well done. Yeah, I sure hope so. I mean, uh, just uh, like I said, give a lot of credit to a friend of mine. A uh, young gal that was born in our not in the church building, but <laughs> uh, her her mom had her when she was at our fellowship, and she's just this incredible artist. And uh, I just you know said, hey, would you be interested in in illustrating this for me? And it, it's been just a just a beautiful ride, and she she did an amazing job. Did but you yeah, did uh, you did you have a publisher is, for the book? Yeah, actually, we're we're publishing ourselves. Uh, unfortunately, Amazon sets the prices. So we're gonna we're gonna try to uh, get a, a distributor ourselves through Amazon, so we could lower. I don't like I I always try to get things out for as low as possible. Yeah, right. Uh, but anyway, I can't we can't we can't uh, control the prices right now on Amazon. But that's how it is with most people that publish books. That's but right. Good Fight publishes that. The good Fight Ministries publishes it, and uh, but they're right now running off the copies. So we're trying to run off a bunch separately to lower the prices a bit. But there's the Kindle. I think that's like four ninety five. Then there's a the paperback, and then there's a the hardback. Yeah, but I love the story. The story burns in my heart. I'm constantly, brother, you know, as a granddaddy, uh, as a pastor, you tend to tell a lot of stories to illustrate scripture. But as a dad and now a granddaddy, I've always told stories to my grandchildren. They always want stories. And I thought, what would be the best way I could possibly communicate the gospel to them in a memorable way? And uh, brother, with all the confusion in the world, with gender dysphoria and everything else, and Children not knowing. I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking, but hundreds of millions of kids are clueless as to where they came from, their origins, their creator, what the purpose of life is, what what meaning in life is, and and what what the future holds. And it's heartbreaking, but we know the gospel. So I thought, what's, what would be the most powerful, clearest way I could possibly come up with? And I prayed that Lord would give me an idea to show them how lost we are, where they could be reading the gospel, not even knowing what they're reading until they get to a certain point. And, and and so forth, but uh, most you know people don't know we're made in the image of God, and that we've fallen. And I actually wanted to show, brother, and this is where how do you show something so heavy? I wanted to share. I share a bunch of stories I make up with my grandchildren and my children before, but never this. This was amazing because I wanted to show profound biblical truths of creation, mm-hmm. the fall. You know, God's calling us, uh, discernment. You know, illumination, atonement. You know, sacrifice. You know, forgiveness sanctification, and then ultimately eternal glorification. The big picture, how do you show that in a kid's book? Well, guess what? We're creating God's image. So I thought, you know what? Uh, how can I illustrate how we're creating God's image and we fell, uh, through humans fell, and we're part of that fall, and that we need to be uh, saved, forgiven, uh, restored, recreated in God's image, and ultimately glorified if we're going to spend eternal life with our Father. So I thought, what better picture than a mirror? And how so? Sparky's basically a mirror. 
He's created by the king who represents the Lord God. Uh, he's on a palace wall, and the whole thing rhymes. You know, I put little cute little rhymes there. Everything rhymes. Uh, it's a fun book as well. Like, uh, for instance, uh, Barky, as he's trying to find his way, you know, he thinks about becoming a vegetarian, but he loves fish, so he becomes a pescatarian. You know, he's sitting there at the sushi bar. So you have all these crazy, cute little things going on. And he falls because a snake flips into the palace and lets him know that he could be all that he could be. And, and he could be this great big star. He just needs to jump off the wall because the king is is holding him back. You know, kind of what happened in Eden, right? Mm-hmm. He jumps off the wall and great to his, in, much to his chagrin, he, he has this great fall and he shatters in a thousand pieces. And poor Sparky tries to climb a ladder, you know back up to the wall, fix himself because he realized he made a big mistake, but he can't climb the ladder, kind of a picture how we can't save ourselves. And then what happens, he proceeds, uh, brother, to go from, you know, one place to another. To He picks up all his pieces, you know, he puts them in a, a big, you know, bag, and he carries that bag on a hobo stick as he goes from place to place trying to get back together again. And he'll go to a witch, and she levitates him, and, and then he falls. It makes it even worse. You know, the answer isn't witchcraft. Uh, one of the fastest growing religions, especially among youth today, is mm-hmm. witch- witchcraft, right. you know, because of Harry Potter and all the other things pushing witchcraft. He goes to a guru in the East, and he's told to, you know, uh, meditate on his navel. Finds out that the New Age movement isn't working. Uh, he, he finds out that even well-intentioned people like doctors and nurses, they give him a Band-Aid, that they can't fix a hole in his soul. They can't put him back together again. So he goes through all these scenarios as he goes with his bag of glass on his back from place to place, and and eventually, you know, he uh, he's just filled with hopelessness and despair. And and the idea there is an, if you're a mirror and you're broken, how do you fix yourself? You're, a mirror is created by us to reflect our image. And if we're a broken mirror, we can't look inward. We can't go to anybody to be fixed because we have to go back to our creator. We don't know what we're supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. We're lost, mm-hmm. and that's how we are as humans. We're created in God's image. I even have little subtleties like the witch that levitates him. Uh, she, you can see with her black, you know, robe that she's a broken mirror too. The point is, is that we're all broken mirrors, and we can't fix each other openly. It needs to be God that fixes us. So he ends up in a in, in the black forest, and he's crying big tears. And she made Sparky so cute, and you just feel for him. And then just then, uh, the king condescends and reveals himself. He sees this great light in the forest, and he recognizes his master's voice, his creator's voice, and and his creator comes by and he clings to him, and his creator begins to uh, reveal himself to him. And he knows his creator because he used to sing and dance on his wall, but he recognizes this is my creator, and he's so happy. And his creator takes the glass pieces, and he slowly puts them back together again. And you see the king's hands are bleeding because it comes at a great cost. And of course, that's a picture of the sacrifice that our great God, our creator made to put us back together again. Then he brings him back into the palace at the end. Uh, you see him dancing with him. He puts him back on the wall and Sparky, the broken mirror is restored. And of course that glorification, you know, the end. So I've tried it. I really believe the Lord gave me a great way oh, uh, to awesome. express the plan of the gospel in a, in a memorable way, in a very revealing way that children could understand and I really believe that parents and grandparents that share this with their children and their grandkids, or, I mean, this, I mean, I, honestly, I think this is one of the best ways to share the gospel with people, because I'd use a broken mirror illustration without that whole story to share the gospel of how we're broken and we need to be restored to God's image as a pastor. And it's such a powerful illustration. I've used it for years. I thought, you know what? Wow, it just hit me, you know, as I've been praying, wow, this would be I just need to put, you know, flesh and blood on this mirror and make him a a, 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 a character and tell his story. Man. And I still get excited about the story because it ministers to my heart. And the first pe- the, for some of the first people that read the book, uh, two people in the same day contacted me and said, hey, Joe, this made me cry. This story is so moving. And we're just excited about it. So. Oh, I'm I, hope, uh, <laughs> I can see why your concept is is worthy of some a nomination for an award itself, man. Just the, your <laughs> well, description of it. 
Uh, it's it's incredible. Sparky, the Broken Mirror. It's a short story, and again, it's aimed at kids. It looks like a kid's book, but it's not going to be enjoyed only by children. Uh, I think everyone in the family, I certainly am intrigued by it. And uh, the author's name is who I'm talking to right now, Joe Schimmel, but it's Joseph Michael Schimmel. That's going to be your pen name now. You're using your whole uh. <laughs> your whole name there, buddy. So we're going to have to refer to you so that people who hear this can look up and get the right name, Joseph Michael Schimmel, and that is S-C-H-I-M-M-E-L, already an Amazon bestseller, and it's just come out, and it's leading in several categories right now. And, man, I love your description, Joe. It, it sounds like it's going to be a success. I'm sure it will be, and that's really awful. Well, I hope so. And, you know, it's already been a blessing. That's good, and that's our hope. We want to get children saved. We want to get them to know the Creator. Now, there's a part two plan. We'll see if this comes to fruition. I'm almost done with it. Is It's intended to, as children get older, uh, a part two is going to come out with the same pictures on one side, but then there'll be a parent's page. And the parent's page will be... Uh, a page that will in-depth show them, I mean, basically comment on what's going on there. So the parent could read that page and then teach their children discernment. Here's, this is why the answer is not, for instance, in witchcraft. Yeah, right. Uh, this is why the answer is not in this. And here's what this doctrine means biblically. You know, what, 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 the, what uh, you know, God does when he illuminates us, so. what the atonement is, what Jesus did to forgive us and, and how we're, what glorification looks like, and beginning, of course, with creation and, and how we're created in God's image, and then all these scriptures. So what happens is for, for parents, and I tell parents, not every parent, of course, has to homeschool, but all Christian parents uh, should be homeschooling in this sense. Whether you send your children to public school, private school, or whatnot, you need to make sure you're bringing your children up to know the truth. So yeah, I wanted to create a book right. that would actually help them disciple their children to get them to know the deeper things of the gospel. Now, certainly, uh, godly parents can look, use this book, and then they can explain those things without the parents' page. But I wanted to provide a parents' page that would also, as their children get older now, now they hit you know, 11, 12, 13, or 9, 10, and they're, that book all of a sudden, wow, they love that book when they are a kid, but now guess what? They've graduated to understand the deeper things of the gospel. So that's the bigger plan. You know, I, wanted, I always say, will you do more for the enemy than the enemy, than, than, than people? Will you do more for God? than people do for the enemy, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's so many people doing horrible things out there, pushing propaganda, you know, and lies that are deceiving our children. And we need to do things that get our children to understand the truth. And I know, Mike, you know our ministry, and yes. uh, that's what we're all about. And this was a way to basically get the truth into the hands of the children. Because the enemy goes after them when they're young. And, man, I have children, and now I have grandchildren. I'm like, I'm all over, you know, beating the enemy at his game and pointing everybody to Jesus. I love it. I had your buddy Chad on yesterday, Joe. That's what I heard. Praise God. Yeah, he did a great job, man. It's so much fun to talk to both of you guys. Again, give us the website for your ministry, and then we'll finish up one more time with the details about the book. We're almost out of time here. Give us your yeah, website. Go. I mean, I, I pastor a church called Blessed Oak Chapel in Simi Valley, California, and the name of our ministry that I've had even before Blessed Hope, which I've been pastoring over 30 years in church, is called Good Fight. Org, or you can go to YouTube and type in Good Fight Ministries and see all kinds of videos for free and everything else. That's and, right. Uh, praise God. Thanks for the opportunity, brother. Oh, this is wonderful. And the book itself, again, it's called Sparky. Let me get it back up again. Sparky and the Broken Sparky the Broken Mirror. What a great story and what a great concept. And you can find it. Again, the author is Joseph Michael Schimmel. And uh, you look for it on Amazon. It's right there. Look for Sparky, the guy, the the mirror with the cool happy eyes up up above the top. And man, it's it's great checking in with you, brother. Always great to talk to you, brother. I pray you guys have a blessed week, and your audience is blessed in Jesus. All right, man. And we thank you, Joe Schimmel, and we also, friends, thank you for joining us today on another program right here, Afternoons with Mike on the Shepherd. 